I did want to just share a couple of things here just to have, have you keep in mind uh, over uh, this week. And um, we have, um, just by way of, way of prayers, I, I, I've got a call from, um, talked with Richard Bessler this week, and he's going to be having some skin cancer removal this coming Tuesday, and so he's asked for prayers for that. So if you can kind of keep that in your, or maybe mark that down and, and be in prayer for that here this week. Uh, we continue to pray for Rachel's family uh, with the loss of Rebecca and, and just uh, how that's been. I know they just got back traveling from that. And uh, Glenda's family with her mom uh, just passing away this last week as well, or it's been a little over a week now. But um, I did want to mention um, to Mary Ann, and uh, Mary Ann has said, if you can, i got to write that down. You talked with me about some of that. Um, the end of this month, she's going to be starting some infusions, infusions of... So there, the the hope is that this uh, these infusions that she'll be having will slow down the the uh, process. the process of the ALS that she has, and um, so um, that will be a good thing. And she's also getting an intravenous feeding tube put in so that she can because sometimes she she's not able to to she can't eat. Sometimes she can, but most a lot of time mostly broth. So just not having the swallowing effect and stuff. So we want to keep Marianne in our prayers. And, um, Will these The Lord can do that. Um, Connors are traveling this week. Uh, Tim Green, uh, we, uh, he was he's been here since then, but he fell out of a tree and got a fracture. And who's that? Yes. Yep, she's had an aunt and uncle that passed away as well. Yep. Tim Green fell out of a tree and fractured his back, and but he's been there, been here since then. But he's got to be really uh, careful, and uh, in the midst of that, and good news of all that too. Uh, our guy challenge yesterday I mentioned was six. I forgot six of us went. I forgot to mention that um, um, Coleman went, went went along too. He met us there. We uh, had a crazy trip there, so. We should have left an hour earlier, but we got in the middle of all that. But I got whenever I got a little bit too slow, and Irvin just kept pushing me a little bit more, he bumpering. You know, it was like a bumper car effect, you know, pushing us down the road, and and we made it safely as a result of that. So um, we're we're glad to be there. Um, had a good weekend. So um, yeah, well. Uh, so open your Bibles, if you would, uh, to Mark chapter 3. We've been 
As you know, we've been in this series of sermons uh, talking, uh, just fairly fairly recently started out with this uh, um, in, in the Gospel of Mark, and I've entitled this series, Good News in a Changing World, and, and, and I don't know, raise your hand if you can recognize the fact that we, we actually are living in a changing world. Our, our world is changing awful quick, um, and I don't know about you, but it just seems like I woke up yesterday and it's like, wow, how did this all happen? How did we get here? In fact, there was a news conference this last weekend that I was looking at, and um, or a news. I was watching the news, and one and one of the commentators on the news said, "How did we get where we're at so quickly?" Um, you you look at some of the things that are happening within there. Uh, you know, not only are we talking about abortion now, we're talking about infanticide, as this being something that is is legitimate and that's something that we can do is how do we get from point A to where, you know, you know p- most people, if you look at the statistics uh, or if you look at the, all of the, um, the polls and things like that, which doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter what people think, right? God's Word is what God's Word is. But if you look at the polls anyway, most people, most Americans are okay with that first trimester. Well, those who are, 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 are for abortion are okay with that, that first trimester. The second trimester and the third, there's not much agreement on that, except for Congress. Um, but I mean, it's just like you look at some of the things that are happening with uh, with the, the racial tensions and with uh, other things, and and it's just it's wow. It's uh, you know we are living in a changing world, and it's going so quick. And I, you know, some of the things that I think about is is that. You know, not only, you know, how did we get where we got? Now, you think about back on, uh, I think back to some of the things, uh, how, what it was like when I was growing up, and, and some of those things we'll never see again. Um, I'm so glad that we have a God who is sovereign, who stands, uh, who stands above things. But the, the, the point of this sermon series has really been through, through Mark's gospel is in the midst of all of that, there's some good news. And I, as I read through, through, Mark's gospel, there's some changing perspectives, there's some changing world things that are going on right there in the midst of his gospel, and he's just, he's wanting to, to kind of help us to, to see that in the midst of all of that, there's some good news, and that is centered in, in the person of Jesus Christ. You know, of the literally millions of inhabitants in the, of Germany in the 1940s, estimates are that anywhere up to about 90% of them would have claimed to have been members of the church, claimed to have been Christians. Had they been doing polls in those days like we do, where they have the option of saying, you know, well, I'm, I'm religious or I'm, I'm somewhat religious or very religious, estimates are that 60% of Germany would have said that they were somewhere between religious and very religious people. And yet the estimate is about 1% of all the Christians in Germany came to the aid of the Jews during World War II. One author said it this way, the irrelevance of the Christian faith is absolutely extraordinary. The irrelevance of the Christian faith is absolutely extraordinary. I, I, I hate that statement, really. I, and the more I think about it, I mean, the more I just don't believe that. I mean, I, I think that there's probably some truth to it. Otherwise, we wouldn't have somebody out there saying that the church and the Christian faith is an irrelevant thing. 
but I just don't accept the fact that the Christian faith is irrelevant to people's lives. And if I myself asking, you know, if you, if you didn't believe that Christ made a difference, if you didn't believe that being a Christian somehow was of some value to you, then why in the world would you come to Christ in the first place? And why would you ever subject yourself to what it is that, that Christ asks of you if, in fact, you didn't anticipate that that was going to somehow make some kind of a difference? And yet I think that we all realize that there are some there are people who, who come to Christ for a lot of different reasons. We'd acknowledge that, wouldn't we? People come to Christ for a lot of different... They find themselves in His company and are not always there for the reason that you and I might anticipate or for the reason that you and I might happen to come. In fact, we, we see that in this text. In Mark chapter 3, lots of crowds are gathering around Jesus and and there's a lot of different reasons why they're there. In fact, take a look at Mark chapter 3 and look at verse number 7 there. Mark chapter 3 and verse number 7, it says that Jesus withdrew with His disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. And when they heard all that He was doing, many people came to Him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed many so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the evil spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. But he gave them strict orders not to tell who he was. It seems to me that in this text that there are some people who come to Jesus for what they can receive. Now that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Some people come to Jesus for what they can receive, and, and that's not necessarily bad. It's just that it's obvious in this particular text right here that sometimes crowds came to Jim, Jesus simply because they knew that when they came to Him that they would get what they needed that they would get what they were looking for. They needed healing. They needed to be fed. They needed uh, you know, something from Him, and so they came for what they could get. And again, that's not a bad thing. In fact, I think that it would be a bad thing if people didn't come to the church and, and, and the Christian people to receive what they felt like that they needed. It certainly would say something about who we are if people didn't come thinking that they would find something that would somehow meet a need in their life. The, the difficulty isn't that people come seeking to get something from Jesus. The problem is, is when that's all that they came for. When we were serving in, in Footville, uh, we had a lady who came virtually every month. She, she came uh, typically at the end of the month, with the same story that her groceries had run out and she didn't have anything to feed her children with. And, and so we would send her to the grocery store and we, she would get groceries and, and, that, would, uh, and she'd carry, that would carry her on. But it became something of a habit. Uh, and so, you know, every month she came and, and we, 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 same story. And, 
and we we finally decided that that we needed to we may not be doing her as much good as as we should and so we decided that we would have someone go with her to the store to try to help her to shop effectively so that her groceries that she that she bought would would be the kinds of things that would actually last her for a whole month well she didn't particularly care for that that kind of help very much that model that we tried to to help her with and so she just never came back she stopped getting from the church what it is that she wanted now it wasn't a problem that she came i mean that's what you would expect that that people would come to the church that that they would come to jesus to get what they needed the problem is only when that's all that you want you remember in the gospels that that happened fairly regularly uh, but it happened in john chapter 6 and uh, you, you maybe you remember jesus had fed the 5000 and the next day they came back looking for more bread and the next day he said to them i'm not going to to feed you and so the text says that i think it's verse number 66 it says that that the crowd just left that's in the midst of that passage where he says unless you eat my body unless you eat my flesh unless you drink my blood you know you can't have any part of me and 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 here's jesus and the, these crowds that were coming he says i'm not going to feed you anymore and jesus uh, and, and so they just quit following him and jesus turns to his, his own disciples and he says to them so are you going to leave me too and if you remember the statement, verse 66, Peter responds with this statement. He says, Lord, where would we go? Where would we go? I, you're the one who has life. Have you been there before? When life just gets so tough and, and you just kind of woke up one day and you said, you know, I don't know if I want this anymore. I don't know if it... If, if the effort of being a Christian is really worth the trouble, I don't know if I'm getting enough out of it. I just think I'm going to go someplace else. I've had moments like that. They were short-lived moments, but I've had those moments where you just kind of wrestle with that, that question, is, is being a Christian really worth it? And, and I, I've to be honest, with you, I, I come to the same conclusion. I, I look around and I try to figure out what what the alternative would be and I never can come up with an alternative and I quickly realize that there is no place else to go because Jesus has the words of life see it's not a problem that Jesus that, that people come to Jesus for what they can get because he's here to offer us what we need. The problem is when that's all that we come for. And then we, then we give up when it gets hard. Well, there were other people who came in this text as, as well. In fact, you pick up the story in verse number 13. Uh, some people came and they were called to serve. They came and they were called to serve. You see that in verse number 13. Uh, Jesus went up on the mountainside and he called to him those, who he, those he wanted and they came to him and he appointed 12, designating them, his, designating them apostles 
that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his, and his uh, brother John, to whom to them he gave the name Boanerges, <laughs> which means sons of thunder, um, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. I, it, it, just an interesting bunch of, of people here, an uh, in, interesting bunch that, that, that he's called together, isn't it? I mean, I just, it, I, I'm not sure who the crowd is exactly. Maybe it's the 70 that uh, have followed him, and we see them later. Maybe it's the 120 who show up in the beginning of the book of Acts, uh, first part of Acts there. I'm not sure. But from this group of fairly dedicated followers, Jesus says, I want you 12 to come. And when I look at, when I look at this list, I think, man, that's just a, a motley crew here. I mean, you saw the list, right? You got Peter at the front end, you know, and then Judas on the other end. You have Peter on the, you know, who denies Jesus, and then you have Judas who betrays Jesus, and then in the between of all of that, you've got James and John, uh, you know, the sons of thunder. You remember them, you know. Lord, should we call down fire from heaven on these guys? And then you've got this zealot who, who frankly, is, is nothing more than a Jewish sympathizer who wants to overthrow Rome. And this, this seems like a good group that he can get involved with, in or, you know, if you're going to have that kind of an insurrection. But, you know, quite honestly, I think that we're kind of like that. Aren't we just kind of a bit of a motley crew? You know, when I, when I think about, about being called by Jesus, I, I just sometimes wonder, why in the world would he choose to call me? I mean, of all the people that he could call, why would he choose to call those of us who sometimes don't have all that much to bring in the first place? You ever feel like that? And yet it's just so amazing to me that when he calls people into some kind of a relationship with him, that there's this, this, this absolutely incredible change that happens. In fact, what, what I find amazing about the church is that what we see in people, we just see people like they are now. I, I don't know how else to say this. I mean, it's just... I mean, we don't get to, we don't see, we don't, I, I don't look at any of you as, well, that's what they used to be like. I don't look at your past sins or, you know, I maybe know some of those stories, but I don't look at people and go, well, yeah, he used to be a bootlegger and he used to be, you know, I, I don't do all that. I see you as somebody that Christ has come into their life and changed them and just, it's just amazing. I mean, um, that's what I find amazing about the church is that it, all that other stuff doesn't matter. I mean, who we used to be doesn't matter, right? It's who we have become in Christ. That's what really matters. And uh, my friend Adam is like that. Um, Adam was, uh, well, to see him today, most people have no idea, no idea um, what 
he overcame in order to follow Jesus. <laughs> I, I knew him, what he was like before he started following Jesus. And what people see today, this, this incredible Christian leader who's, who's, who's in charge of and, and leading youth, I mean thousands, I'm literally thousands of youth to Christ. Um, what people see today is they see this guy who is, a, who is absolutely in love with Jesus, someone who is making a difference for the kingdom, but he was a motley sort of guy that God came into his life and made this absolutely incredible change. That's the power that God has. That's what he does for people. It's just, it's intriguing to me to see how God is able to change people's lives. I got this thing, I was just, this last week, we were, I was going through some boxes, and, and I've got this little tape case uh, that I had when I was a kid. And I open it up, and it says, only, God, only, only Jesus can change a life. Only Christ can change a life. That's just a reminder for me from uh, something that I, uh, a little, little bumper sticker card or whatever it was that I've had since I was uh, in high school. Only Jesus Christ can change a life. He does this incredible change that comes in, in, into our lives. But in, in, he's able to change us inside out, but only if we're willing to come. Did you notice that there in this text? He says, you know, I don't know if you write in your Bible or not. But uh, I, you know, I do sometimes, occasionally, uh, a lot of times uh, uh, I, I do some scribbling and some notes and things like that. But if you don't write in your Bible, don't listen to this section for just a, for, for just a little second or so. You, know, you can just close this off. But write down in verse number 14. Look at verse number 14. I decided to underline this in my Bible because I just thought this was so cool. I thought this was so significant. It says, He appointed twelve, designating them as apostles. And this is what I underlined right there that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach. And to drive out demons, it goes on to say. Do you hear that call there? The call is always to come and to spend time with Jesus. You want to put that up just one more time? To, to Yes that they might be with Him. That's the call. That they might come and that they might spend some time with Him. That's how transformation occurs. Transformation takes place because you spend some time in the presence of Jesus because you come and you spend some time with Him. And then once you've spent time with Him, then he sends you out for him, but you can't go for him until you've been with him, right? You see, some people come and they're called. They're called to be servants, and they find their place in the kingdom. And they begin to make an investment because they've spent some time with Jesus, and he's rubbed off on them. Raise your hand if you'd like Jesus to rub off on you a little bit. Well, there's another group that comes. I better slow down a little bit. We might get done early. <laughs> there's another group that comes, and this is uh, the more troublesome, I think, most troublesome group, I think, in this whole text, or at least for me it is. These are some people who come, who came. <clears throat> they, 
They were challenged uh, to be careful. I couldn't think of another way to say that. Exact, I, I really didn't know how exactly to say that, but that's, that's really what's happening in this text. There's people who are challenged to be careful. Um, these are people who come, and when they receive, uh, what they receive from Jesus is the challenge to be careful. Just, just listen to what happens here, verse number 20. <clears throat> Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him. <laughs> Listen to that. They went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of their mind. Incidentally, that, a lot of people have said that about me too, but never for the same reason that they did about Jesus. Now, that, that's not really a problem, though. Raising questions about Jesus is not an issue. This is a family who loves him, who misunderstand, who clearly misunderstands him and thinks that they somehow need to come and somehow need to protect Jesus. That, that's not a problem. Challenging Jesus on those kinds of terms, it's, it's just never a problem. It's never wrong to ask questions, to, to, to raise questions with Jesus. He's open to that. But, but look what happens when the religious leaders get into the picture. Verse number 22 and the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said this. Wait, just, just, down from Jerusalem. They're still in Galilee, where Jesus' ministry is. His fame has spread all over, so far that the religious leaders are coming all the way down from Jerusalem to Galilee. They're coming to stir up some trouble. They came... From Jerusalem, they said, he is possessed by Beelzebub. By the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. So Jesus called them and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a, if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand his end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can rob his house. We had a, we had a fellow, and uh, I, I never knew this guy. It's a story that was told to me uh, when I was living in seminary. I, I, down, a guy from down in Lincoln, Illinois. Um, this was a, uh, as I understand, this is a very, very large man. Big guy. Um, and uh, one night, a thief decided to break into his house. In fact, he, they, he, he snuck into, a, into one of the bedroom windows and it ended up actually in his teenage daughter's bedroom. And she let out this blood-curdling scream. And 30 second la seconds later, the thief was trying to figure out how he might try to break out of the house. See, if you're going to break in, you want to make sure that you bind the strong man before you break in. Jesus says, I, I, I can't be casting out demons by the power of demons because, well, first I'd have to bind up the strong man. I'd have, to, I'd have to bind up the demons to do that. And it would divide the house, he says. Verse 28, I tell you the truth, all the sins and blasphemies of men will be forgiven him. 
but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is, given, he is, he is guilty of an internal sin. He said this because they were saying he has an evil spirit. See, I think it's okay to question. It's never okay to demean Jesus. Do you, do you see the difference between the family and, and the, the religious leaders here? The, the religious leaders, they're, they're out now. You know, the, the family thinks he's a little crazy, right? They, they think they, they, they got to kind of, you know, help him out a little bit somehow. They, they, don't, they certainly don't understand. The religious leaders, they're out to put him in a hole. They're out to cause some trouble. They're out to discredit Jesus. And he says that's just not acceptable. In fact, he says it's an eternal sin. I, I don't know. I, when I was growing up in the church, there was a lot of talk about the unpardonable sin. Anybody hear about that, right? You know, all that stuff. And to be honest with you, I mean, there, was, there were times sometimes that, that I worried about whether or not I had ever committed that impartable sin. Well, I, I just want to tell you, the word's not really, the word's not even in the text here. It's actually called an eternal sin. A sin that has eternal consequences. And, and so, you know, the question, I think, that the natural question that comes from that, what, what, what sin is that? Well, Jesus says that it's when you attribute to Satan the thing that God is doing. That's really a troublesome thing to me. Um, I've, I've had from time to time, I've had people come and ask me, you know, as a pastor, you know, whether or not certain things are from God or not, you know. And I, I've had some people, you know, there's some strange, strange, you know, things with stuff that's just weird surrounding it. And they're kind of going, well, we kind of think this is from Jesus. But, you know, what do you think? You know, and you're, you're kind of just sitting there going, you know, because on the one hand, you're kind of like, well, yeah, but I, I don't necessarily want to attribute that to God. And, and yet you don't really want to attribute it to Satan. And I, I've been in some of these things. And this text here causes me to sit back and say, you know what, I just, I think I just, well, I, I, I don't want to attribute to Satan something that really could have God's imprint on it. And so I, I just... I mean, there's times when I just have just decided just to try and really be careful and just simply say, I just don't know, and, and not commit to that. And, and that's what I'd encourage us to do. You see some things sometimes, and you kind of, it, it's, it's easy just to jump right on the bandwagon and say, yeah, that's God's stuff. And yet, at the same time, it's kind of like, well, can't, it doesn't, there's some things that don't look godly, and I guess the point is be careful with that. But, but there is a thing that really troubles me. How is it that you can sin in eternal sin? He says it's by blaspheming the Spirit of God, by tr attributing to Satan the work of the Holy Spirit. By the way, if you've ever worried about committing that sin, you haven't. You got that, right? We heard that, right? If you've ever worried about hearing about committing that sin, you haven't because the very fact that you're worried about it would indicate you still have a conscience, and so you haven't committed that sin, uh, committed something that has become unpardonable. 
See, every sin is pardonable. Any sin that you've ever committed is pardonable so long as you're willing to be pardoned. The problem is when you begin to no longer listen to Jesus, when you no longer listen to the Spirit of God in your life, you put yourself in a place where the only one who can help you can no longer help you. That has eternal consequences. See, when you come to Jesus only so that you can somehow denigrate Him, only so that you can find some excuses for not following Him, that then you have put yourself in a, in a position where you cannot be forgiven because the one who does the forgiving isn't available to you by your own choice. See, some people in this crowd, they came and the only thing that they wanted to do was to question him so that they could, they could stop what he was doing. The real question for me is, what are you going to do with Jesus? You know, I mean, that, that's really the question. It's, some people came to him and they, really all that they wanted is what they could get from him. Some people, uh, and, and, and once, once they, they, they got, the goings got tough, they left. That's all they really asked for. There are some people who came, some people came like in this latter part, and the only reason they came was so that they could put him in a box so that they could somehow challenge who he was, and, and they rejected the very fact that he was the Son of God. But others came, and they were called to be with him and to go in his name. It's, it, it's interesting to me in this text that the demons knew who he was. And it was people who had a hard time catching up. But the demons can't follow him. They can only know him. You and I, we have the power to follow him. In fact, that's really the point. That's the point of all of this. Uncommon disciples both recognize and follow Jesus. It, it, it isn't that they recognize Him only, it's that they both recognize and follow. You know, I can't help but think life is so incredibly unpredictable. I mean, you, you just don't know. I mean, one second you're standing in the, in, in the bathroom and shaving or brushing your teeth, and the next second you're looking at two twin towers that are falling to the ground and thousands of people. I mean, it just, it just happens that quickly. And the thing is, you, you just can't do anything about it. You have no control over that, over all this stuff that happens in our world. But this... You and I have control over what we will do with Jesus. It's a decision not only to recognize Jesus, but, it, but it's a decision also to follow Him with, with your life. And, and when you make that decision, it makes all of those other concerns totally irrelevant. Right? I mean, just totally irrelevant. Because when, we hear, when, you're, with, when you're right with Jesus Christ... It doesn't, ha it doesn't matter what's happening this morning because you already know 
the one who has life. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for, for your, the spirit of Jesus in this place today. and God, we just recognize the fact that you are the one who has true, uh, the words to, to life. And God, I just can't help but think of those followers in John chapter 6 who, who stood back and they, they looked at some of the things that you were saying, the hard teachings of whatever they were, that, and they, saw, they, they came to get what they wanted from you. And when things kind of got hard a little bit, they said, nah, this is getting a little bit too much. And God, I just pray through your spirit that you would just visit us, work on our hearts and help us as people who are committed to Jesus to, to stick with you, no matter how hard things get, no matter how what kinds of things that you demand from us, God, that you would help us to realize that, in fact, there is no other place to go. You are the, ones that ha- you are the one that has words to eternal life. So I pray, Father, that for each of us here, that... You will help us to continue to make that decision for you each and every day of our lives, to draw closer to you, to grow in our relationship with you. And to have this incredibly uncommon pursuit of Jesus. Because we're not like the world. We understand the good news. We don't want to be like the world. We want to be followers of you. And so help us to do that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's respond by standing and singing, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus.